Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Political Party Daily. And this is an episode I am very excited about. Um, the whole series I've been asking you for your war stories. For the stories about when elections go wrong, the mishaps that happen on the campaign. Keep them coming in, by the way. Politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. So I thought we'd better do an episode dedicated to mishaps. Um, so two guests today who were superb. Salma Shah, who was special advisor to Sajid Javid. And Martin Angus, who's an old mate of mine, who worked for the Labour Party. And just to give you a flavour of what to expect... Martin was head of the Deputy Prime Minister's tour when Labour were in government and the Deputy Prime Minister was John Prescott. And Martin is in a lot of the footage of the day when John Prescott gets egged and punched a bloke in the face. I begin by asking Martin about his rather grand title of head of the Deputy Prime Minister's tour. Delighted to be joined today by Salma Shah, former special advisor to Sajid Javid, and Martin Angus, who had the amazing job title of Head of the Deputy Prime Minister's Tour during the 2001 general election. Martin, what did that job title mean? Uh, What it meant really was um, looking after John, uh, making sure that his every whim was satisfied. Um, Every whim? (laughs) Well, not quite every whim, but uh, and managing his uh, bespoke battle bus, which he actually really, really loved. He was uh, very, very fond of his bus Um, and his battle bus had to have speakers on. Uh, So Tony had a a battle bus, which was almost the same, but John had to have loudspeakers on at his so he could play the um, theme song, which was lifted by the Lighthouse family wherever we went and also shout through a microphone at startled pensioners usually at bus stops um, <laughs> doing their shopping and you sort of see them sat there and you get labour 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 you're right love been doing your shopping and these sort of startled pensioners looking around as this voice from heaven came down to them um and my job really wherever we went was to be the advance uh but unfortunately that day for various reasons i didn't get to go in advance um it was the day when everything went wrong for us so. um uh, so that the bus you described was the Prescott Express. It was indeed, yeah. Um, uh, notorious, really, in relatively recent British electoral history. So what other stuff did he have on there? He had speakers. I remember one of those promotional DVDs where he had a toaster on there. Oh, he did, yeah. I mean, he obviously had a uh, kitchenette. Um, it was a <laughs> kitchenette. Seat, it was a seating area at the back. It was like a pop star's bus, but without, you know, double-decker in the, the beds. Um, I mean, it was, it was a long time ago. It was 18 years ago, so we had a video recorder. Um, we may have had a DVD. I can't remember. I think it was actually a VHS. No, it was a video recorder um, and a seating area at the back and full-length mirror, um, kitchenette fax machine. Wow. Um, uh, so the press officer could get uh, all the stuff that she needed to do for her job uh, and then various seating areas um, uh, towards the front. And as I say, the microphone so I could talk to people. So let's talk about that day. 18, I can't believe it was 18 years ago at the 2001 election. And, I mean, that footage gets brought up a lot of, of John does, Prescott yeah. getting egged in the face and then punching a man in the face during the 2001 election campaign. You are so close to the action. Every time I watch it, I'm like, that's Martin! Like, you, do you ever get recognised anywhere? 
Uh, I did. I mean, when it when it first went out, I mean, um, it went around the world. I mean, I had people ringing me from France. They'd seen it in Australia, and uh, I felt a bit sorry for my identical twin brother, um, who was like, for God's sake, you know, this this footage had gone out, and um, and now when when they replay it, like on the um, sort of every year, it's uh, the anniversary. Me and Jessica Morden, who was the yes, general secretary right. of the Wales Labour Party, is now uh, of course our candidate in Newport, and uh, we just message each other with happy anniversary and, <laughs> and you guys sort of go to events and there's these young Labour people who probably weren't born or just about toddlers and I say you were that guy all we learnt about that in history um, <laughs> makes me feel very old. Uh, very, very old so talk us through that day uh, the, the bit I really remember apart from the, expl- the, the action itself we'll come to that is there's a bit where, because the bus parks on the other side of the road, and you see Prescott get off, and there's a mob waiting for him, blood sports enthusiasts, <laughs> and he knows it's trouble at that point. Did you know it was trouble at that point? I did. So, I mean, everything, you know, we'd, we'd launched our manifesto that day in Birmingham. Ambitions uh, for Britain. Uh, and then Tony had gone off to the hospital to visit, and he'd been... <gasps> Sharon Stora! Uh, Sharon Stora, and he looked very uncomfortable, bless him. And uh, then Jack Straw had gone off to speak at the Police Federation, being slow hand-clapped. And we weren't used to this, you know, it was 2001. <laughs> we were kind of like, we weren't used to this hostility at that point in the election. And... Um, uh, we sort of got this message, you know, not a good day for Labour, nothing else to go wrong. Um, and then I was meant to go in advance and uh, we got to the hotel. We were just doing a, a show, uh, a rally type thing, one of John Prescott's shows. Um, and it was uh, in Rill. And um, we, he was going to change his shirt and have a shower. But we got to the hotel and the police said, if you stop now, the countryside lights are going to block you in. So we didn't have time to stop. So the bus went straight to Rill. Now, with hindsight, you know, when I got there... I should have got off the bus and thought, this is dangerous, uh, let's just get it out of here. But um, uh, colleagues were screaming at me, we were on zigzag lines. With hindsight, it probably wasn't the worst thing, um, but we didn't want that to be the story. So um, I got off, talked to one or two staff and the police that were there, and thought, oh, it's fine. And uh, he got off, and an egg was thrown, and he, he points over at this baying crowd of, of fox hunters. So an egg's um, thrown at first at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From and across the road they're trying to get across him. the road, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man. And it, it misses him, but he, it, it gets quite close. And then the, there was a couple of police um, around, but there, there wasn't that many. And, um, uh, and and they take him across the road down this very narrow path um, where all these um, sort of Countryside Alliance members are really angry. And um, uh, he walks past Craig Evans, who's this 29-year-old guy, and he's huge. You know, yes. He's got his big mullet hair. And uh, he throws an egg at very short uh, range, which hits John on the side of his neck. Um, he turns around, he thinks he's punched and has been bleeding, looks at this guy and just hits him with his, <laughs> his left hook. It's an amazing shot. And It is, yeah. And then this fight ensues. And, um, and I run back, so I'm ahead, you know. And, uh, but in my bag, I had the grid for the election. I'd also got 500 quid petty cash. And I thought, that's actually quite more important at this point. Because I thought, I'll get charged for this money if I lose it um, and then sort of like so we're trying to get this hunter off him and, and, and then another old guy comes and in this melee you know the, a policeman sort of pushes me out of the way but we get him into this theatre and it's it's kind of um, uh, all gone wrong um, and uh, but we had to still go ahead with this show we had 200 people in this theatre 
Um, we had a comedy act, so he had a comedy act as part of his show. What? Who oh, was yeah. a comedy act? They were, they were called, I can't remember what they were called now, but um, it was all part of his show. He had a jazz band, he had a comedy act. and they like Ken Dodd show. It was almost like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd rewritten the words to the time warp, so you know the chords <laughs> of the time warp. Yeah, yeah. And it was, let's have a swing to the left, not back to the right. Let's see you knocking on doors, get ready for the fight. For the fight. <laughs> well, we just had one, so you know, they had to change their words very quickly so it became <laughs> let's have a swing to the left not back to the right uh, let's see you knocking on doors let the party unite I mean they were just uh, amazing so we um, went ahead oh and and of course before we did all this um, he, uh, he he rang Alistair Campbell and he said uh, a conversation that goes something like Ali Ali I've just hit someone <laughs> Alistair says I beg your pardon, Johnny says, I was attacked, so I've hit someone. And Alice says, did anyone see? And he says, aye, I think it went out live on Sky. Um, and at that point, I'm told all the press people in Millbank Tower gathered around the television and thought the general election was lost. Um, I had to ring Margaret McDonough, who uh, now is a good friend, but at the time was uh, our general secretary. Yeah. And I was a junior officer, and I was quite scared. <laughs> and I thought I was going to get sacked. And I had this phone, this of a breeze block and couldn't get through, couldn't get any reception. I have to say, Margaret was just amazing. You know, she said, none of this is your fault. Um, you know, it's happened and you just... You, you Shouldn't know. have handed out the eggs, but apart from that... <laughs> yeah. you still got the petty cash. <laughs> yeah, I still have the petty cash, yeah. It's only 200 quid here, Martin. <laughs> I should also say that John Prescott never ever blamed me in, you know, in, in all the years that I worked with him afterwards uh, and he had special branch protection which we'll probably mention from that moment on he never ever once said that's your fault Martin I feel like it probably was because you know even then I should have just said no we, we should have got him out of there so so when you say so when you say do the advance so a lot of people yeah. won't know what that means sorry what, what would that involve so that means arriving about half an hour 40 minutes before yeah. assess, risk assessing the situation looking for things that you don't want in the pictures, um, <laughs> looking for things you don't want to happen. Angry mobs, making, yeah, yeah, making a decision, and um, and you know whether you, whether to go ahead or not um, uh, with what you're doing. And uh, you know, if I'd gone in advance, I'd like to think I'd have made a decision that this was too dangerous because you know that, this battle bus was not subtle. It was a great big coach. It was branded. You know, got his name with, on it. Got his name on the front. It's got speakers. It's got music. <laughs> you know, you arrive and you know it's like kind of noticeable where it was and, and when you were arriving so um, uh, I'd, I'd like to think I would have just got rid of it and we'd have got in via a car into the venue or something. And was that, and I'm not trying to get you into trouble, was that the only entrance and exit to the building or could you have got him in another I think way? there was a back entrance so we could have sent the bus away oh. and we could have got him into a car and he could have gone round the back and, and gone in so then, the back entrance. <laughs> when it kicks off because you're a couple of steps ahead, at what point is it that you hear the commotion or do you see it? I mean do you actually see him throw the punch? So I, I now I don't think I did see him throw the punch. I think I heard because there was there were screaming these guys. If you see it on YouTube, they're they're all screaming and uh, um, making sort of noises as hunters do. Um, and uh, I and um, and I sort of turn around. You know, you, you hear this commotion and. and Jess and, and his special advisor, Joan Hamill, who's just incredible, they've kind of been knocked to the floor. And oh so we all God. run back and he's been pushed over this wall. And, um, uh, and, and you know, we're all trying to separate the two. But this guy was huge. And I thought, hang on, if I pull him too much, he's going to thump me as well. Because so, someone's yeah. pulling his mullet. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In one of the shots. I mean, at that point, 
What's going through your head? Are you just like in survival mode? I've got to break up a fight. Is, is there like any political part of your brain still there going, oh man, I can't punch anyone because that look bad? Are you kind of worried about what you can and can't do? I wasn't kind of worried about what I can and can't do. I think I was worried whether I was going to get sacked or not. It's <laughs> 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 going to have to even, move back to my old job. Even in that moment, yeah, I thought, oh my God, what have I done? You know, and it was, uh, but you know, at that time we had to get him out then. We had to get him into this theatre um, and then, you know, wash his shirt and get the egg out of his hair and, and go ahead with this kind of rally. And um, there was two or three hundred of these people and they only, they only went when, the, um, when it started pouring with rain. Um, so I sent the battle bus away. We were staying in Chester that night in this very strange hotel. Um, and uh, um, I sent the battle bus away because I thought it might get vandalised and we, we'd, we'd go later in the car. And then, and so once you're at the event and he's had his shirt washed and his and his hair cleaned, was he shaken by it? He was shaken, and uh, um, you know, I think for him, he, it was uh, he was quite shaken up about what had happened. He obviously uh, was wondering what might happen as a result to, to himself. Um, but it, you know, he was brilliant in the fact that he knew he had to go ahead with this show. Um, there were two hundred members who wanted to see him and wanted to hear his speech. Um, the police were saying they wanted to take statements from us. So <sighs> at that point, I'm arguing, saying, "No, we're not going to take statements today. We'll do that another day." And we had to settle that in as part of the uh, general election campaign and obviously give formal statements all of us have been involved to the police and obviously eventually no action was taken against either um, party in the incident but um, we did have to to meet with them uh, later in the campaign to give formal statements and oddly the pub Public opinion was kind of in favour of Prescott. So it was. And, and you know, I think, uh, you know, if you read sort of Alistair's diaries or, or whoever else, they're all very worried about the public reaction. And Sky did an overnight poll. Do you think John Prescott was right? And the results the next day were 95% said yes. Um, and, and, you were you know, then think... thinking about your promotion? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was kind of, I think it was a sense of relief. Um, I mean, there were people, you know. I, I'm going to need more money. <laughs> Mr. Trick. But there were kind of people who kept saying to us during the campaign, I wasn't going to vote Labour now, but because of that, and it's like, not for the schools, not for the hospitals, not for the extra nurses, not for the you know extra police. No, no, John Prescott lamps for once, so I'm going to vote Labour now in the general election. And uh, um, and it was where it was interesting, wherever we went, um, conservative people would come up to us and say, um, we don't really like your policies, Mr. Prescott, but we think you were right. You know, he was 63, wow. this guy was 20. John was 63. You know, a, a, a guy who was almost a pensioner had fought back and, and um, uh, hit this guy who'd attacked him, and they thought, good on you. You know, they really did. That's an amazing event. I mean, it's one of the, like, the defining... Mo- In terms of general elections, it's like one of the most famous election moments of all time. I mean, obviously, every advisor, staffer, every member of party staff dreads something like that happening. Salma, as yet, Sajid Javid hasn't punched a member of the public in the face. <laughs> No. No, let's see what happens. There's still a couple of weeks <laughs> left in the campaign. But, you know, nightmares come in different forms, don't yeah. they? They don't have to be as catastrophic as that. I mean, do you have any so, ones that give you nightmares? So, so I obviously, not to detract from you, Martin, but I've never had an incident like that because I'm a pro. <laughs> um, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but I, I think actually the Prescott moment... Um, and moments like it have changed everybody's view of campaigning, right? So everybody is that much more careful, that much more risk-averse. So the idea that a Labour deputy leader, deputy prime minister, is going to have their own bus with speakers on it, or even, you know, be that kind of character, is for the birds, I think, these days. Everybody's just so much more professional. 
And therefore, things are less likely to go wrong, unless, of course, you're Theresa May at you know, a conference and yes. the letters start falling <laughs> off from, from behind you. Um, as a SPAD, what's interesting is the kind of visits you set up um, and the kind of things that that happen in between all of that. Yes. So there was a really... Um, I mean, I found it absolutely hilarious at the time, and I should have probably done more to prevent it from happening. But we were in um, Mumbai in India, and this is when Sajid was culture secretary. And, of course, you know, when the visiting minister comes, you know, the red carpet's rolled out and everybody wants to really impress. So we're shown into this kind of, like, lecture theatre, but it's for this kind of, like, Bollywood school. So it trains cool. back backing dancers and yeah. things like that. Anyway, I was totally in my element because I'm a complete cliche of Southeast Asian heritage. I love a curry and I love Bollywood, right? Sajid, not so much. So he sat in the front row and I thought, oh, God, he's hating it because, you know, there's all these kind of, like, dancers giving it with the teeth and, you know, smiling away, getting really excited and Sajid's kind of, like, very stony-faced. And because it's a lecture theatre, not performance area, they were obviously really keen to showing what they could do. And they started forming this human pyramid. Okay, there was about a foot between <laughs> Sajid and the nearest, like, dancer <laughs> and the wall. And, uh, of course, pyramid collapses called <gasps> tumbling down on top of it. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> and I hadn't realised what had happened because I was busy sort of chicken away in the back. <laughs> I thought, oh, God. <laughs> And then I thought, people yeah, could have died. I can do. <laughs> I mean, p- people must have got hurt. No, no, they didn't. It they just all fell on top of each other. Yeah. Oh, it's so embarrassing for them. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Yeah, but that and was... the footage of this anyway. No, I don't oh, think so. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I told you, I'm a pro. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's so hard for politicians when they're sat there. It's like on Mar when they have a band on. And George Osborne has to sort of tap his hand to, you know, blossoms yeah. or whatever. It, it, the, you know, it's not that the royals obviously go through this on a daily basis where they have to sit there and... You, what advice would you give a politician? Sh- should they get involved and clap their hands or tap their feet? Or right. is the best thing so just to politely I smile? Had, I had a really... Another interesting one, again, when he was culture secretary. We went to the Royal Academy and uh, we were going around looking at this exhibition and um, there's this table with... Um, a fresh doner kebab in a in a pizza. Oh yes, right in the table. Don't, sort of story don't, I like. don't, don't don't get too carried away because you're not going to like it at the end. And, oh, and there, were, and there, were, <laughs> there were two fried eggs, right? And they were like they were. He was uh, the guy at the RA is telling Sajid, "Oh yes, yeah, in this art installation, they uh, make the doner fresh every day and they fry the eggs every day." Anyway, they're at the top, and I'm sort of moving around. There's a photographer here you know, to the left of me, and I'm moving around this table, and I look down, and I was like going, oh, quite reminiscent of the female, oh my god, it's supposed to be a woman. <laughs> oh no. Two fried eggs. No. And a Who? What? <laughs> what? Who on earth? And I thought, I had this like mild seizure. <laughs> And I don't think Sajid realised it. And I was sort of, you know, happily snapping away, taking pictures for Twitter. And then there's a photographer next to me. And I was just kind of like slightly getting my head in the way of his lens. What? <laughs> Who thinks that's a good idea? Well, they were just showing it. We went to go and see the RA. This was the art that was on there. I, actually, it was a very interesting, engaging piece. Um, yeah, but do they, so they make that fresh every day? Yeah. And well, they did. I'm talking about five years ago. I hope that Donna Kebab's still on. Oh, no, God. <laughs> oh, what? A, I mean, 
But it was just kind of like, there he was at the head of this art installation. And I thought, God, that would be quite a funny picture, wouldn't it? Because, you know, for where the photographer was stood, it was the same camera angle that I had on my phone, like taking pictures on, on Twitter. But no photos exist of Sajid with this kebab? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Do you have any that we could use? <laughs> Go through your phone. I think, I think I've probably deleted all of those. Oh, that's too sad. Oh, I man. did joke to Sajid in the car on the way back to the department. <laughs> I was like, maybe we should do a funny caption with it. He was like, no. <laughs> no he, he was right, by the way. Um, because you have to be careful as well, don't you, when, when you're a special advisor, not to become the story yourself. The, the, yeah. Although I think some people quite... Like it. Like it. Yeah. Um, you struck me as the sort of person who probably has better judgment than that and wouldn't want to become the story. You no, know, I, I never did. I mean, to be honest with you, there was never anything interesting enough about me to become the story, as it were. Um, and actually, when you when you do go out there and sort of create a bit of a reputation for yourself, it sort of undermines your ability to work because you're supposed to slightly be in the shadows and invisible. Yeah. So, you know, going back to your point, Martin, you know, people recognising you and, mm. you know, feeling sorry for your identical brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's like you, you're supposed to be invisible, aren't you? You don't Absolutely. want to be recognised yeah. yeah, yeah. for, for that. Either the success is all the failures. Yes, but sometimes I suppose if you make a mistake, you could become the story. Or, you know, yeah. constantly at the back of your mind is any kind of industry discretion or any gaff yeah. could become a story you know if you're in a car and you're not feeling well for instance <laughs> <laughs> well yes I have had funny enough had that incident so <laughs> I remember um Sajid was in a bit of trouble for having been on a trade mission in Australia as opposed to going to uh, Mumbai to talk about Port Talbot Steel yes I remember that yes so he came back very quickly um, in fact, he be- he barely touched down in Australia until he was sort of turning back round. And we got straight into a car from Heathrow and went straight up to Port Talbot to go meet management and the unions. Of course, en route, we had to pull over because um, I was throwing up. And um, I swear people thought that I was just really unprofessional and um, hungover, but I was actually pregnant and I didn't want to tell anybody at the time, but so I had to tell Sajid. <laughs> but I'm either pregnant. way, <laughs> <laughs> so I was there, and there's like really sort of tough meetings, sort of feeling queasy the whole way through it. Um, but yeah, there's there's uh, there's all that kind of stuff. But where you, where you actually can essentially become a bit of a hindrance to your boss as well. But how do you do that? You're in a car with a, a secretary of state, a cabinet minister, and you feel sick. Do you go? Sorry, mate, can you just pull over? Yeah. Or do you just do it out the window? No, I just kind of like, I'm just going to need a minute at the service station. I think I made up some excuse, oh, I really need the loo. <laughs> oh, so you didn't, like, pull into a lay-by? No, and, like, no, no, no. puking into the wind and it's going everywhere and such as <laughs> like, to wind the window up. And I, <laughs> no. I had more catastrophic visions of this. You actually did it in a very dignified way. Yeah, I tried to, yeah. <laughs> in, in as much as you can be dignified in that scenario. So did you not want to just tell him at that point? That you were pregnant? No, because he was so... he. I mean, like, imagine that. This is kind of like, you know, a moment that in your professional life where you're supposed to do it properly. And he's here, just come off a flight. He's reading his briefing, understanding what's happening. We're talking through kind of like, this. these are the issues and these are the scenarios. Oh, by the way. <laughs> I'm up the duff. <laughs> is that how you worded it? <laughs> no. We're expecting. <laughs> oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Because, uh, I mean, there were so many great stories you both got. I mean, Martin, you were involved not just in the Prescott punch, but in Labour's poster launch in 2010. 
Indeed. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, we didn't really have many posters. I think the, it was the end of political billboard ads, you know, because everyone was just redesigning them or uh, taking the mickey, but, and, and it's kind of, you know, we knew it was the end of our time in power, but um, we had uh, a poster launch and we wanted to create um, sort of almost like we'd done in the 97 election where we had these five advans, you know, with the five pledges yes. all, and uh, I was dispatched to Birmingham to go and recce venues, and of course it's Perda, so you can't use anywhere in the town centre or um, uh, public land or whatever. So um, I'd, I'd spent two days wrecking, looking for places. I'd contacted um, a guy who worked for a supermarket chain who'd said uh, uh, they'd let us leaflet. And I was like, well, it's just a little bit more than leafleting. We've got these five advans that we're going to bring Gordon and Harriet and the whole cabinet and a load of Labour students. And um, could we just take over your whole car park? And he came back and said, it's a bit more than leafleting, thank you, <laughs> but no. Um, so eventually I found this uh, venue, which was... Um, it was a, a catering venue, um, and the guy was was supportive of Labour and had a big car park, and it was in the middle of Birmingham city centre, uh, and it also had some indoor space that we could have got advans into had it been pouring with rain. So I thought, perfect, what could go wrong? Um, and uh, my boss, who um, is ma- who was amazing at the time and still is amazing, Carol Linforth, director of Commerce Events at the Labour Party, we were um, sent off to Birmingham to, to sort this out. Um, we got these advans uh, set up and. Uh, um, uh, all the um, uh, covers were pulled off um, and then we had the, the whole sort of cabinet in front, Gordon and Harriet and Peter and uh, Yvette and they're doing this, um, they're doing their words and all the press were in the press pen uh, but he was on a busy road and there was a roundabout and this, uh, I think it was a, a refuse truck was driving round concentrating on what we were doing, not on what he was doing. And oh, he man. clipped this car, and this <gasps> car just uh, crashed straight into the bus stop. You know, Had anyone been at that bus stop, I think they'd probably been killed. Um, oh, my word. And, uh, and all the press just obviously vacated the pen, and uh, Peter was speaking at the time, and just ran and filmed this poor guy who just wrecked his car and was sat in this mangled car. And, of course, now it was the, it was the time of social <laughs> media and it was it was just rolling it was labor's car crush poster launch and uh, oh literally car, crash was car crush po- yeah launch. yeah yeah and yeah. i just thought you know quite a lot had gone wrong in that campaign it was a couple of days after the jillian duffy incident and it was just like is there anything we can do that's going to go right uh, ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Obviously, the Prescott Express was notorious, uh, particularly in those new Labour elections where it was deployed to great use. Um, I mean, in terms of the poor fellow who's got to drive that thing, I mean, did did him and John get on? 
Uh, so we always had two drivers because they've got to take breaks uh, after 45 minutes of driving. Uh, they did. And, uh, uh, you know, he spent some time on the bus. Uh, once he had um, protection and a backup car, he'd go off at the end of the day. But there was one uh, day, and um, I think it was 2005, um, where we'd kind of finished our visits and we were ending up in uh, Buxton to do visits in High Peak the next day. And John had gone ahead to the hotel and we'd gone to sort his bus because it had to be in a secure garage. Um, and I was talking to the bus driver and he, he took a phone call and he just kind of collapsed on the floor. And I said, <laughs> you all right? And uh, he said, no, he said, my, my wife and best friend have been arrested. I stood here. And he said, on conspiracy to murder and to murder what? me. Um, and to I murder thought, him? To murder him. What? And I thought, never mind murder on the Orient Express. We can have murder on the Prescott Express. <laughs> and I thought... I thought this guy's joking. It's you know someone's played a trick on him, whatever. So as you do, you're writing all down. I said like, don't talk about it, you know. And we, we got him up and we got in the taxi. And I'm shutting him up in the taxi, and we're writing all these facts down and who who the constable was who'd rung him, the chief constable and everything. And then I went to Prescott Special Branch. I said this sounds really daft, but the bus driver's taken a call from Chief Constable X and. Uh, his wife and best friend have been arrested on conspiracy to murder and to murder him. You know, I just think we ought to check if this is real. Yeah. And so they did some ringing and they came out, yes, it's absolutely real. <gasps> and basically his best friend and his wife, I think, have been having a relationship. And um, the best friend had decided uh, that he needed bumping off. And so what? he'd actually gone to Morrison's uh, and was eating a sausage roll in the Morrison's cafe, um, uh, discussing uh, how to hire a hitman to kill the bus driver. Um, so it was awful because um, the special branch just said, well, of course, he's got to go. So not only did he just find out his wife and best friend were probably uh, having an affair, I had to sack him basically on the spot. And they said, you can't stay in the hotel tonight. And oh, so, what? why did so, because he was a target in case this, you know, in case a hitman decided to take a pot shot at the bus and kill, oh kill the deputy prime minister. Um, and um, no. uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a dreadful. I mean, the guy did sell his story, I think, to take a break. So I, I hope he got some money to take it, a break. To take a break. Um, so so it, is, it is in the public domain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's out there. I mean, there's a great quote where so funny, by the um, way, that the bus driver sells the story to a phrase that you see on road signs. Yeah. Take a break. That's what I'll sell it to. (laughs) There's a great story in in the... the, A great quote in the... um, uh, One of the press stories. It's not something you usually discuss over a sausage roll in Morris's. You pop in for some easy peelers and, you know, some some cranberry for your Christmas dinner and then, you you know, you hire a hitman while you're there. Is Um, that where hitmen are found? uh, Well, who knows? (laughs) But but it was was just one of those bizarre stories and I, I... I went back to the Labour Party at wow. left, and I went back for the 2015 general election to do uh, Justine Miliband's visits and uh, I was telling her about this one day on the train back from a visit and uh, she was laughing and uh, we got back to um, Labour head office and then who should I see um, who was either driving Ed's bus or the press bus but the guy <gasps> um, who'd driven John's bus no. and he's there and it was lovely to see him looking well and still alive <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of wanted to ask how the family was but you can't can you? So I just kind of uh, just left it well, well alone. Oh my God! So he was a Labour supporter, was he? This guy? No, he's just a, he's just a bus driver. So he was employed by you know he was um, a bus driver. So you you know when you hire a battle bus, you hire yeah. professional drivers, and they come with it. So. I mean, what are the odds of him having driven two Labour Party luminaries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said when you told Justin Miliband, she was going to say, I was the wife. (laughs) 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 What? This web gets more and more insane. That is incredible. 
It's actually, oh. it's very mad. I mean, it was, you know, but I, I felt really sorry for him that day. It was just like, I'm really sorry, but you, you can't even stay in this hotel tonight. The police have asked that, you know, I booked you a hotel on the other side of town. And how did you take it? Well, I think he was a bit shell-shocked. <laughs> <laughs> that was the least of his worries. That was the least of his worries, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing that, that when it feels like you look for next. In 2001, obviously, in that same day, there was Sharon's story, as you yep. say, there was uh, Prescott punching people. But the public mood was with you, so those things, yeah. in a way, don't matter so much. But when the public mood's starting to turn, those things become, they embody the problems of the party. But that's exactly it. It's kind of preventing things that um, support the negative narrative mm. about you. So yeah. this idea that, you know, it's kind of, it's almost, I mean, thank God nobody was hurt, but it is almost a gift to journalists to be able to write that. That's why they're always looking for the colour. It's like, how do we how do we connect it? I have to say the funniest thing you said is, they all vacated the pen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just some medieval. It should be clear. But, you know, you use those terms all the time, right, the journalist pen. Keep them all there. I mean, but it was not in the pen. <laughs> people will have seen it, but you have to construct using those kind of crash barriers. You do. Basically yeah. a box for the media, and that's yeah. where they all stand. Yeah. So just, just to be any listeners who are worried about the way Labour was treating journalists. I mean, I have to say, when you were telling that story, Salma, about the human pyramid and the Bollywood dancers, yeah. I remember the Gordon's... Well, it was the deputy leadership campaign when it was Alan Johnson, Harriet Harman, uh, oh, stood, uh, Hilary Benn, Hazel Blairs. Um, so it was when Gordon was going to become leader and there wasn't really a challenge and then the deputy leadership was taking the thing. And... Um, they did an event in Leicester. I'm not sure you were at it. Where the, the Keith Fass event? Oh my, oh my god! Yeah. No, oh my god! So obviously, it was like John, an episode of Britain's Got Talent. It was. Wasn't it? So the thing is, so there's like one of John Prescott's shows. <laughs> we're taking you exactly. <laughs> well, oh, it, was, it was. So we're taking you deep into like Labour Party staff individuals here, but and he's in the Lords now. God bless him. But Lord Roy Kennedy, who is a like a, a legend amongst Labour Party staff, but he's like a big geese like that, right, mate? How's it going, mate? You're right. Sounds like right, mate. He does. You would never like his voice is totally incongruent to the status that he's got. He's got this amazing voice, but he used to run the East Midlands Labour Party, and I was working there at the time. And this deputy leadership contest was going on, and he's going, "I've told Keith, mate, I don't want any fuss, mate." And he's promising, "Mate, he's going, no fuss, don't worry about it." We turn up, and there are like, oh, he's constructed these huge. Banner stands with each of the individuals, they were horrified. So, like a, a larger than full size version of Harriet, a larger than full size version of Hillary Bent. So, they all had to stand next to these things they didn't want. Then people start coming out putting garlands around them, and then, like, these trays of samosas start appearing. Oh. Keith, get rid of the samosas, mate. You told us. And there then... was so much food, and, and there was. There was, there was... <laughs> Fruit carvings. There was a watermelon <laughs> where someone had carved "Who Will Win" into the. I've got photos. I mean, it's just like, what is this? And there was a gospel choir, and there was a Bollywood band, and, so, and, well, and, and a guy from EastEnders. Um, yeah, so Keith was like, "We'll host one of the hustings in Leicester." So it was a husting. So I was like, "Right, okay, fine." So you'll get a crowd, uh, and with these things, often you're worried. Oh, enough people going to turn up back then in the Labour Party, but there was too many people there, and all these things that he promised wouldn't happen because loads of media there. It was like, you can't have these surprises. And then I remember at one point, during the debate, during like the hustings, this girl stands up in the audience and she had a mic. So he'd sorted this out. I think she started singing Amazing Grace. 
Possibly, yeah. <laughs> so he said, oh, um, yes, whoever it was in the crowd. Uh, Louise, I think you've got something you want to ask. That's okay. Amazing. <laughs> More garlands come out. You're like, no, what is happening? All the cameras are going off. It was It was like, a, it felt like a kind of Anton Deck stunt. Or like a, or like a Noel Edmonds. Like what? Or Beadle. It was like a yeah, Beadle stunt. Yeah, like, what is going to happen next? Like pyrotechnics going on. Everyone was just like, people were just on edge throughout the whole thing. The whole... Keith Baz was the only person who knew what was going on during that event. And like he wasn't going to tell anyone. The whole thing was like rigged. Oh, man. Was, there was one point where I just went from being scared to just laughing at it. Just stood at the stage. Oh, my God. Do you howling, that, do you, that, that But that sickness that you feel as an advisor when you're standing on the sidelines. Do you, I mean... That never left me in all the years that I did it. You know, every time my boss made a speech, every time we're at an event, this, this, the sickness that you feel about, got it, you know, okay, cool, right, we're out of that, let's go. And also, I always felt, even at the lowly level I was at, I was always like, do I intervene? Yes. Do I go on? At, at what point is it the right thing to go, hold on a second, or just lie and go on and go, there's a very important phone call, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I never did that. I don't know if you've ever no, had to sort of No, I no, I never, but it's because what can you do? Like if you try and intervene <laughs> at that point, you make it worse. You basically. make it worse. You will always make it worse. <laughs> we did an event, uh it was the last event of the 2010 general election and we got a call uh they wanted to do a rally in um in the Manchester area and we couldn't find it was it was bank holiday weekend it was the May Day bank holiday weekend we couldn't find a venue and uh, they wanted 600 people so um, I'd gone through my cards on my desk I thought this is my one opportunity as a Coronation Street fan <gasps> to get to Granada Studios and visit Coronation Street great idea so I rang this uh, director of um, Granada who I'd met at a networking event and said um, really sorry to disturb you uh, we want to do a rally could we hire a studio she was on holiday like normal people a bank holiday weekend weekend um and she said i'll ring you back and uh, she rang me back and said yeah absolutely we can we can sort that out for you and my boss went up the next day and by tuesday we had 600 people um we did all had a drink in the rovers return brilliant had, um, stars from coronation street i'd given gordon a joke about coronation street for his speech um, what was the joke you remember uh, it was uh, norris had been kidnapped by mary <laughs> at the time and was being held in the peak district and the guy who played norris was actually there and so I said to said to Joe Irving I said you've got to say and we're really glad that Malcolm Hebden's here tonight who plays noise we're glad you've escaped from Mary we, and I'd lined all these Labour students and everybody to laugh he kind of fluffed it so it didn't kind oh. of just work oh, I hate it when they fluff your gags <laughs> before we before we started it's going out live on television and Gordon's speech wasn't ready so the whole cabinet are there and his speech wasn't ready and um, uh, Connie Hook from uh, who's uh, Blue, Blue Peter event, was 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 host it. And Carol said to me, we're going to have to add lip because we've not got his speech on the autocue. So I crawled across the floor with his headset on and uh, I sort of looked up at Peter Manderson. He looked at me and said, what on earth are you doing? And I said, Peter, um, Gordon's speech isn't ready. You're going to have to add lip. And he sort of looked at me and said, well, how long for us? I shrugged my shoulders until Gordon's speech is ready. Um, and I think it was another 10 minutes before we finally got it on. Well, oh, you picked the right person. We were yes. ready to go, you know. And did he just um, leap into action at that point? He did, yeah. I mean, he was fantastic yeah 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 and they, i don't i can't remember what they said but you know it was as though it was meant to be you know <laughs> all this sort of conversation i mean i wonder if you both would feel this way could you tell like you say in 2010 there was an atmosphere can you tell when
when you're really in the inside of these campaigns, when you're when you're working alongside people at the highest level, do you get a sense of the mood of the nation? Can you tell if things are going your way or not? Would you be able to predict an outcome effectively? Do you think? Um, I think you probably can get a feel. Um, you know, I mean, in 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 1970, 2001, 2005, um, we weren't getting that many people who were hostile, apart yeah. from the hunters. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, by 2010, you know, it noticeably changed. Um, and uh, you know, I, I remember doing the northeast referendum campaign with Joe Prescott <gasps> yeah. uh, six weeks on a bus in the northeast when when seventy eight percent voted against his idea of a regional government. We certainly knew then <laughs> that that was uh, not going to get passed. Um, you know, people wherever we went, and we'd never been to these places because they were safe Labour places. So you know, there weren't seats we'd visit in the general election. But we turn up again with a battle bus, again with music, and um, all these people. Ee! John Prescott, and boy, knowing that referendum about what become the general election, and it got to the point where I just said, just, just please, just tell him you're voting yes. Um, it doesn't matter if you don't, just, just tell him you're voting just yes. Put a smile on his face. Yeah. Um, well, actually, it's quite funny how you, um, you, you do take a lot of things personally, even if you're political principle doesn't like you do feel for them in that yeah, way you can't yeah. you can't separate that kind of like human because you spend so much time with them absolutely yeah 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 and you, you know if it's and you do worry part- don't you and, but this is to your point about do you get a sense of it actually i don't i don't think you you do you can have a feel for you know i mean you were out on the road i was never out on the road that much i was always kind of like in central office um i think there are there are Two bits to this. One, in any campaign in the central bit, there are the people who are really in the know, who are a very small number of people, and then there's everybody else who just carry out their duties. So everybody else can sort of punt at it, but they don't know. And there's about probably five people at any campaign who can actually read it and see the way things are moving and the way things are going. Mm. Um, I think it's actually really difficult if you're trying to be that person who's emotionally connected to to the people you're looking after... Um, that you've got a job to do and half the time you're just not filtering things properly so I think it's really hard when you're on the inside to actually understand what's actually happening so it, it, that's my excuse anyway for not knowing what the <laughs> hell's going on just in closing we, we know that Boris Johnson gives often you know friends and colleagues nicknames uh, you were close to Sadie did he ever give you one <laughs> Yeah, he gave me several. Um, what were they? Can you the, tell the us? One, the one that I recall, I remember um, we were coming back from a visit and um, we hadn't put any time in for lunch for him. We were sort of working him terribly hard and we spotted a, a KFC drive through. Brilliant. So we went through KFC and I'd never been to a KFC oh, before. I love KFC. No, oh, I'm amazing. a McDonald's person, oh. sorry. Love a Mackey D's. Oh, you can like both. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> So we go through this, we go through this um, KFC drive-through, and I, I don't know what to order. So everyone's put their order in, and uh, you know I'm at the window, like, what do you want? Right, okay, we want this, and I, I panicked. And the first thing on the menu was called the Big Daddy Meal, and I said, "Oh, I'll have the Big Daddy Meal." Great. <laughs> I don't know what it was about that. It made Sajid absolutely crease up. <laughs> and then after that, he just used to call me the Big Daddy, and he used to address his like emails and texts to me, BD. <laughs> Big Daddy. <laughs> I mean, that's quite. A, for I've never who, had one since. But for people who don't um, know the Big Daddy meal, a lot of British people would presume it was Big Daddy the wrestler from the eighties or seventies. Yeah. 
People would misconstrue that. I don't even I don't even know that KFC still does the Big Daddy meal. So I think it was very nice. Well, they're getting a lot of product placement on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> should make the case of McDonald's. <laughs> Martin, were you ever given any nicknames by any of the uh, people you work with or for? Uh, I don't think I was given nicknames. I, John used to uh, tell everyone I was the man with the scissors because uh, a visit we, <laughs> we once did in Brighton and um, Brighton and it was when it was Hove actually. It was when Ira Kaplan was the MP in Hove, and we went down these narrow um, street where um, uh, the Conservatives had turned up, and they got like some boards and they'd. Um, uh, put a load of helium-filled balloons on their boards. So John used to have a little loud speaker, which he'd get so he could rant at the crowd. And uh, he was away in the distance, sort of ranting at this crowd, and the Tories had gone to face him. So I nipped into his estate agent, so it was uh, opposite, and said, have you got some scissors? And they gave me a pair of scissors. And he could see, as the Tories were facing him, sort of heckling, I was cutting all these strings and all their balloons were flying away from uh, these boards <laughs> and, uh, and the estate agents thought it was hilarious but they couldn't see because they were too busy uh, shouting at John but John could see what I was doing and, and was laughing because he just thought it was hysterical as all their balloons flew away in the sky um, and so he always used to go around saying oh this is Martin he's the man with the scissors and, uh, <laughs> people thought what on earth is he talking Such about really makes you say yeah quite violent <laughs> yeah. doesn't it watch what you say he's the man with the scissors <laughs> one final thing before I let you go and I know it it's hard and I know there's weeks to go and with all the caveats about how difficult it is and you can you can phrase it as vaguely as you like could say hung parliament Labour the largest party whatever you think what do you think the prediction for this election will be Salma? Um, I think the Tories are going to be back. Tories will win? Yeah. With a majority? Of small. Small majority? Yeah. Martin, any predictions? I think I agree with Sam. I'm not very good at predictions. Uh, the last election, we had a little uh, sweepstick in our office, and I said Theresa May would win with a majority of 74. Um, so I'm <laughs> hoping that my prediction is... Uh, but I think uh, Sam was absolutely right. I think, I think they, they will win. I'm hoping I'm wrong, as I was last time. <laughs> well, Big Daddy and the man with the scissors, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, there you go. Oh, my God. I cannot believe... I mean, I knew about the Prescott story. I had no idea about that poor bus driver. I mean, this is the thing. And Imagine... I mean, that's an incredible story anyway. But against the backdrop of the fact that this bloke was driving John Prescott's bus that ends up driving Ed Miliband's bus, you can't... So much of politics is, is sanitised and you don't see... And these stories are happening all over the country. And there will be stuff going on in this campaign like that that maybe I'll only unearth in 18 years' time. But, oh boy, I cannot wait to hear some of the stories of this campaign. It just goes to show that however much you try and control things, life is happening around you and a lot of life is chaos. And, oh my God, what two fantastic guests. I can't thank um, Sam Shah, a.k.a. Big Daddy, and Martin Angus, a.k.a. The Man With The Scissors, uh, enough. I'll be back tomorrow, and please, and thank you so much for all of you leaving iTunes reviews. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it does help other people find it. Um, there's about two tickets left for the Bloomsbury Theatre special with Sadiq Khan on the 18th of December, so go on the Bloomsbury website to find out those. My tour show, Brexit Pursued by a Bear, continues next year. Uh, the first time is the Salford Lowry um, in the northwest of England and that is on Tuesday the 14th of January so what better Christmas present and then I'm going all over the country uh, London, Glasgow, Newcastle uh, oh, all sorts of places I forgot them all Aberdeen um, if you want to find out go to the website mattford.com slash live and I'll see you tomorrow